thought it would be fun this morning to start off by telling you about the biggest fight I've ever had in my marriage. Really, I'm going to. I asked permission from Ben, don't worry. Uh, we got married when we were the ripe old ages of 21 and 22, so yes, we were children, um, but we, we loved each other and we realized as soon as we got married, we have no idea what we're doing, right? No clue. And we were a couple months into marriage, wedded bliss, and um, we had one of the biggest fights to date. Now, Ben was finishing out his time at the University of Illinois. I had just graduated, and I was working as a waitress, so we were really rolling in the dough. Just kidding, we were broke, we had nothing. Um, and this was a Friday. So this Friday, I was on to work a double at the restaurant that I worked at. So I went in, I worked the lunch shift, I took time between shifts to run to Meyer to grab some groceries, and then I came home. As soon as I walked in the door, Ben says, let me see the receipt. I'm like, okay, I'm like, turn it over, he goes, you spent how much at Meyer today? What did you buy? I'm thinking, what is wrong with you? Like, I bought chicken, vegetables, like, bro, chill. Like, just got the groceries. He was livid mad. Now, had we ever talked about money before? No, we hadn't. I grew up in a family where we had very, very little, lived in Section 8 apartments, um, lived on, you know, food stamps, the whole deal. I was actually very aware of my financial spending because I knew I could not spend what I did not have. I understood budgeting, I understood tithing, I understood all of that. But when I came into marriage, my husband had a very different experience. He grew up with plenty of resources, but they had one financial rule. Do you know what it was? Don't spend. And I just want to tell you that, that's not a plan. Like, that's not a plan, because you still have to buy things, right? You can't just not spend. So we had a recipe for disaster. Um, we had our little tiff. I was like, whatever, I got to go back to work. I went back to work, worked my evening shift, got home at, you know, what, 11, 12. Much to my dismay, when I got home, I found out that my husband thought it would be a wise decision to spend Friday night out with the boys, eating wings, drinking beer. Like, I'm, I'm dramatizing this, but it's, he did have a beer and some wings. And I lost my mind. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. You're on me for buying chicken and vegetables at the store and you're gonna go out blowing our money on booze? Like, you're really gonna do this right now? I was, I was so mad. He slept on the couch, which that was the only time in all 17 years, I promise. Like, it was just the one time. I was hot. You know why we fought? We didn't have a plan. We didn't have a plan, right? Almost every fight in marriage, this is just a free tip, is unmet expectation. Unmet expectation, either you did what I didn't think you would ever do, or you didn't do what I thought you would do. That's why you gotta have conversations about it. And so we entered our marriage with no financial plan, and it was an absolute disaster. We needed to have conversations about money. And maybe you've been in this place where you've never had a plan about money. You've simply just ignored it, thinking it'll go away, or you think, yeah, it'll be fine. But usually a lack of planning brings in a lot of emotional pain. And all, all that God says for you today is, hey, there's a better way. There's a better way. Look, I've lived with nothing, and I now have plenty, and it is because I have followed God's good plan for financial stewardship. And there's an invitation for us all today to learn that plan and begin to live it out in partnership with Holy Spirit. Do you know what the fruit of it is? Total freedom. How many of you want financial freedom? I want that. I don't want to live in pain. I want to live totally free. But when it comes to our money, I think we've actually been looking at our finances all wrong. I think we've been looking at the wrong things, right? We haven't had God's perspective. And maybe we're in a place today where we don't wanna be financially, and so we just go to God and we ask for the wrong thing. We said, well, God, just give me a different job. Or God, just expand my business. Or simply, hey God, 
gimme, just gimme more money, right? Gimme. And he says, ah, 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 you're asking me for the wrong thing. What is the one thing we should ask God for when it comes to our finances? Oh, yes. She blew it. You blew my big thing, but it's so good. I'm so glad. I hope you didn't hear. I'm going to tell you after we pray, we're going to pray. It's because you already know. I'm so happy. It's good. <laughs> You're so cute. I love it. Okay, let's pray. And then we're going to tell you the big drum roll, and then I'm going to tell you. Holy Spirit, we love you. Thank you that you love to have so much fun with us. And thank you that you are already teaching what it is we're to know. Father, you are faithful, and you have good plans for our finances. So we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to do what only you can do. We love you so much, and I thank you for this family. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, in this series, we are, of course, talking about God's best plan for our finances. And what we've discovered is that God's plan is twofold. So if we want to be wholehearted, generous people, we have to understand both sides of the coin, if you will. Now, the first week, last week, we talked about the first side of the coin, and this represents generosity. And Mike talked about this in detail last week, so you need to go back and listen if you have not heard. This answers the question, can I trust God? Can I trust God? Meaning, do I trust God enough to give back to him the first 10% of our income, which scripture tells us already belongs to him? So do I trust you, God? Can I trust you by giving you the first 10%? The second side of the coin is everything we're gonna talk about today, and this is the stewardship side. This answers the question, can God trust me? I know, we don't like this part. Am I a trustworthy, wise steward? We are going to talk today about what it looks like to steward the 90% that we have left. And I know these are vulnerable questions to ask. It's hard to say, God, wait, do I actually trust you? Do I believe that you are the owner and I am the steward? Or do I think, yeah, I don't know, I worked kind of hard. I think I probably earned what I got. And can we answer that question truthfully? Can God trust me? Have I been a wise steward? Or have I been not intentional and there's some room for growth? We're going to look at all of these things today, but the core value for understanding both sides of the coin, for understanding uh, generosity and stewardship, is this issue of trust. So everyone say trust. Trust. If you're listening online, you can drop that in the chat. It all has to do with trust. We have to recognize that the way that we handle our finances is actually much more relational than it is clerical. It's much more about a relationship, trust, those issues, than it is about numbers, you know, spreadsheets and formulas. Now listen, I think about trust a lot when I think about how I'm parenting my kids alongside my husband, Ben. We have three amazing kids. Cohen is 11, uh, Claire is nine, Gia is seven. I forget, it changes all the time, right? Okay, we've got these three kids, they're awesome. They're always around. And one thing that we really want it is important to us as parents is that we don't believe we are raising kids, we believe we're raising adults. We're raising adults, meaning that we want to give them the tools to be really good adults. And one of the things that we do, listen, we mess this up all the time, let me preface this, we are not great at this, but one strategy that we really like to use as often as we can is that we try not to tell our kids what to do. I know, I know it feels wrong, right? Because you're like, you're the parent, That's how you've got to make the rules. Here's the thing, if I'm always telling them what to do and my goal is them obeying the thing I say to do, what happens when I'm not there? So rather than teaching my kids to follow all the rules, do this, do this, don't do this, what I want to do is teach them how to think in partnership with Holy Spirit. Okay, this is the goal, teach them how to think. So Cohen, my 11-year-old, my type A, very much loves to do all the right things all the time, right? Love him, he's just like his dad, not me. Um, 
He's so great. So he'll come to me with a problem. I'll say, mom, 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 mom. Like, I want, he's in sixth grade, right? So the problems are, we. Um, he's like, I want to watch this movie, but I still have homework to do. I know, it's a great conundrum. Who, what sixth grader asks this question? <laughs> Not me. And I was like, and he'll attest to this. He'll tell you. I, every time he comes to me with a problem, he wants advice. I'll say, well, Cohen, what do you think you should do? Again, the goal is that I'm actually getting him to think about things that would add up to being a wise decision. So I want him to start processing the pros and cons. I want him to invite Holy Spirit in and say, Holy Spirit, help me make this decision. If I just say, bro, you should do your homework first, like duh, like, and then watch the movie, he's not gonna learn the process of learning how to think in partnership with Holy Spirit. But this is a very important thing, that we're learning how to think, that we're not just giving a list of do's and don'ts. And I was thinking about this, uh, this idea in, in, as we think about our stewardship. And here's the thing, having healthy finances is really not this long list of do's and don'ts. Now, let me say, there are wisdom principles, and we're gonna get to some of them later, but the truth is, you'll never be prepared for every yes and no financially, because there's just not this long list of them, right? You have a lot of freedom when it comes to the 90%. The question is, you have to say, well, am I making, a, like, am I being trustworthy? Am I making a good decision with this information that I have? And so as, um, as I was processing this, again, I think we were asking the Lord some really good questions, right? We go to him and we say, hey, I found myself in this financial mess. God, I just need some help. Will you help me? Will you fix this? It's kind of like when Cohen comes to me, he's like, mom, just tell me what to do. I think sometimes we go to the Lord and we're like, oh, just tell me what to do. I'm in a financial pickle, Lord, just help. Just fix my problem or just give me more money, which I think we all think is the answer to every financial problem, right? If only we had more money, we'd have no problems. And the father says, ah, 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 you're asking me for the wrong thing. What is the one thing we should be asking God for? The one thing when it comes to how we handle our money and really our whole lives, the one thing we should be asking him for is wisdom. So everyone say wisdom. Drop it in the chat if you're listening online. We're gonna throw it back here to James. We studied the book of James in the last series, but it's too good to pass up. So we're gonna look here in chapter one, verses five and six. He says, if you need wisdom, Ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. If anyone needs wisdom, we simply have to ask. But it's really important for us to know what wisdom is and what it is not. Right? Wisdom is not just knowledge. Wisdom is not just information. Right? You can have a lot of facts and not have wisdom. Right? There's a lot of brilliant fools running around out there. Right? They know a lot of stuff. They ain't so wise, okay? So wisdom is knowledge plus agreement plus action. Everyone say action. Yeah, you gotta do it, okay? Wisdom is not just knowledge. It is knowledge plus agreement plus action. And wisdom doesn't happen without implementation. So we wanna be wise stewards, right? We wanna be trustworthy stewards. And to do that, we need wisdom. Now, oftentimes, I think what gets us into trouble financially is we don't pause long enough and ask this question. And the question is, is this wise? Is this wise? Okay, listen, I ask this question all the time. It's usually when people are coming at me, like you're trying to disagree with me or, uh, you know, make fun of me, and I always say, is that wise? And they listen, the answer, always no, not wise. Don't do it. Don't come at me. But this question, is this wise? This will revolutionize your life if you let it. Is this wise? Listen, you're not asking the question, is this right or is this wrong? 
there's a lot of freedom when it comes to the 90%. The question is, is this wise? Wisdom changes the game. Now, there's a man in scripture who knew the value of wisdom, and so he pursued it at all costs. His name is King Solomon. His mom was Bathsheba. His dad was none other than the great King David, the guy who was after God's own heart. And we read about his story just as he's beginning to step in and reign as the third king in Israel. And you can read the whole story in the book of 1 Kings. I'm not going to have time to get into it today, but he's got some crazy stuff. Cutting a baby in half, like... Just really go read it. The Bible's fascinating. It doesn't have so much to do with this moment, so we'll, you read that later. Okay, 1 Kings chapter 3 is what, where we open with wis, uh, wisdom, with Solomon having a conversation with God in a dream. And here's what happens. The Lord is talking to Solomon, and he says, what can I give you? Ask. Now, feel this for a minute, right? You're you're getting ready to step in after King David, and you got some big shoes to fill, right? You're going to need a lot of stuff. You're going to need men for your army. You're going to need a lot of dollars. You're going to need a lot of ladies. Solomon loved the ladies, so it's not just one lady. He wanted all the ladies. And again, you can read about it in the Bible. Go back and read. He, he He wanted all of these things, right? There were so many things he could ask for. But in this moment, he doesn't just start going through all the things he wants. He doesn't go through a long laundry list of give me this, give me this, give me this. Do you know what he does? He starts by acknowledging the ways that the Lord has already provided. This is key. He starts by saying, God, you have been so faithful to my family. Man, the ways that you've loved my dad, the way you've been so generous and kind with him, the way that you've honored him by even now placing me on the throne. You've been so faithful. He acknowledges that everything that he has in his life has already come from God, the provider. He recognizes the goodness of God. So that's the place he starts from. And then he gets really real with God, (laughs) real, real. He says this, I'm too young for this, right? A mere child. I don't know the ropes, hardly know the ins and outs of the job. And here I am set down in the middle of the people you've chosen, a great people, far too many to ever count. He's so real and he's so raw with God. And he says, Lord, I'm ill-equipped. Can't handle this. You guys ever do this? I sit in my house sometimes and I look around and I think, I am the adult. It's me. Like, I've got these three little people I made. I've got a husband, a mortgage, the church. Like, it's me. Where are the the real grown-ups? It's me. I am ill-equipped for this. I say it all the time. There's no manual, right? Help me, Jesus. That's what Solomon is saying in this moment. Help me, Jesus, right? I I don't get it. I don't know, Lord, how to do this. I'm in over my head. So he acknowledges God's faithfulness and his provision, and then he's super humble. He's like, and help me. And then he goes in for the ask, and this is what he asks for. Here's what I want, he says in verse nine. Give me a God-listening heart so I can lead your people well, discerning the difference between good and evil. For who on their own is capable of leading your glorious people? He's asking for a God-listening heart and discernment. He's asking for wisdom. And God is so pleased with his response. He's so pleased that he asked for wisdom and not for riches or a long life or like the demise of his enemies. He doesn't just ask for those things. He doesn't say, gimme, gimme, gimme. You can tell that God trusts Solomon in this moment because he's thinking about things the right way. He's thinking right. And just as I like to build trust with my kids to see how they're thinking, 
That's what's happening in this moment. And you see this beautiful relationship of trust between God and Solomon. And so God tells him, well, because you didn't ask for, um, well, he says, of course, I'm going to give you wisdom. He says, I'm going to give you a wise and mature heart, which is wonderful. And he said, because you didn't even ask, I'm going to give you riches and glory and all those amazing things too. And of course, if you know his story, uh, Solomon goes on to be one of the wisest kings to ever live. Not without drama. Again, go read it because there's a lot of drama in there too. Um, but there's a couple things that really stand out to me in Solomon's story, specifically regarding our, our takeaways for stewardship today. And I think there's some really good wisdom principles that he was learning. And the first thing is that we recognize that Solomon was humble. He was humble, right? In humility, he recognizes that everything he has does not belong to him. And this is the first side of the coin for us. Can I trust God? Can I trust him? Do I believe that he is the owner and I am the steward? Do I believe that my car, my bank account, my business, my children, nothing that I have is actually mine? Everything I have belongs to the Lord. He is the owner and we are the stewards. And Solomon understands this principle. In essence, he says, God, I trust you, right? I trust you. I trust you as the provider and I am the steward. You have been faithful to me and I trust that you will be faithful in the future. And then from this place, right, he, he continues in humility and he says, and by the way, I have no idea what I'm doing. You guys know that like, this is actually a really good place to be. I'm gonna stop you for, like, for a minute. Like when you think about your finances, you guys, so many people are just ill-equipped. We just don't know that there's a better way. So there's no shame, there's no condemnation, there's none of that. It's just simply the Father loving you enough to say, kiddo, there's a better way. Kiddo, there's, there's, a, there's a better way. You don't have to do it this way. You don't have to live in this kind of pain. You don't have to live trapped under the weight of financial oppression. There's a better way. But it takes a lot of humility to say, we don't know what we're doing. And from this place, we get to invite Holy Spirit in and say, Holy Spirit, help. It's a good prayer to pray. Holy Spirit, help. And I, I sense today that there are actually some people who are, like the picture I saw was like actually drowning. Like you're drowning financially and you can't get out of it and like nobody knows. And like the weight of that, to feel like you can't even catch a breath. Because I've been in that place with nothing. I, that is not a place any of us should be. There's more freedom. But it's okay to say, and by the way, God, I'm drowning. Would you help? This issue of money affects all of us at some level or another. And it's an invitation from Holy Spirit to invite him in to the process. He is the life raft. He is the way we get out of the financial despair that we're in. He's the only way out. So he asks for, or he, he acknowledges God's goodness, and he humbly says, like, I need help. And that's in the place where he asks for wisdom. And listen, asking for wisdom, this is a revelation for us today if we're, if we're ready to receive it. Asking for wisdom and not for, like, don't fix my problem, God. Give me wisdom to never end up here again. That's it. He, he, he doesn't want to fix you for a moment. He wants to provide for you for a lifetime. And so there's this invitation to say, okay, Holy Spirit, show me the better way. I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to live with worry and pain and stress. That's not the way of God's kingdom. It's just not. And there's a better, better way. So we ask for the wisdom. And I think some of us, we've done this before financially, right? We, we have the knowledge. We know all the right things to do. And we agree with it. We're like, that's a really good idea. And then it comes to the action part. And we're like, eh, nah. Nah. 
that's too much. Oh, it's too hard, or it's simply too painful. Some people are so afraid to sit down and look at the numbers because you know you've made a mistake. You guys, we all made financial mistakes. You are never alone in that. Nobody has lived with perfect wisdom when it comes to money. They just haven't. So just like any way that the enemy is like lying to you right now, we just silence that in the name of Jesus, okay? And so in this place, you can just say, I know there's a better way, but I gotta actually sit down and look at it. And it's hard and it's painful. And listen, I'm not a numbers person, so I know like spreadsheets come up. I'm like, oh, not, not, it's not my favorite, but I know it's important. And Holy Spirit wants to meet you right in the middle of that place. He wants to meet you. And I would say this too. Because we all have something to learn when it comes to finances, I do want to share for a moment some wisdom principles about how we handle our resources, about how we steward the 90%, because I think there's room for growth for absolutely all of us. And so those three key principles today are that we give, we save, and we live. Give, save, live. Give, again, we covered this in detail last week. If you do not start here, you will not be walking in God's financial plan for your life. You won't. It is the supernatural thing. It's supernatural. It's not natural. We think it's about money. It's actually about your heart, okay? So it's the supernatural thing that unlocks the favor over the 90%. We start here. We give first to God the 10% that is already his. We give it to him through the local church. That's the first part, give. Go back and listen to that message if you missed it because it's pivotal. The second thing we do is we save. This is so important. We save for the future. The second wisdom principle. Proverbs 21.20 says it this way. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. We don't want to be fools, right? We don't want to be foolish. We want to be wise stewards. And wisdom says save for the future. The best way to start this is you start with an emergency fund. We're going to get a little clinical here for just a minute, but I want to say this too. If you need more help in this area specifically when it comes to budgeting, um, debt snowball, compound interest, all of that stuff, making your money work for you, my husband and I with a team, we wrote a class called Kingdom Finance. It's totally free and it's available for you online at any time. You can take this at home. If you're married, take it with your spouse, but do this together because this it unpacks in detail some of the stuff I'm gonna cover here for just a minute. Um, but saving for the future, that emergency fund is the place to start. That means you take three to six months of spending and you put it aside of, of what, you're, what it costs you to live, basically, and you save it for the future in case of emergencies, right? What happens when an emergency comes up? What's the emotional pain that comes with it? Worry, fear, anxiety, panic. Do any of those things sound like God's best for you? Uh-uh. God says, there's a better way. There's a better way. If you would save for the future, that emergency, that financial emergency does not have to bring financial ruin right? Listen, there are also some things that come up in our spending that we need to save for, and this one always surprises me by how much it surprises us, right? This, this bill that comes up every year. Do you know what this bill is? Yeah, and taxes. Christmas. It's like a shock, right? Every time we come around December, like, oh my gosh, I've got to buy things now for people that I love. We, there is no financial way to make December's income cover the expenses of December, right? It, it just doesn't work that way. So you've got to be wise. We save a little bit in January, February, March. You want to be able to spend in December, you got to save for December, right? Don't let those kinds of spending, like those, those issues, destroy your finances. It's just not worth it. We can save today. We can be wise stewards today to handle tomorrow's financial uh, expenses that come up. There's a way to do that. Now, remember, wisdom is knowledge plus agreement plus action. Everyone say action. Yep, you got to do it. Okay, principle number three is live. 
Good stewards live within our means. Good stewards live within our means. And I, we struggle with this because we, we want what we want, right? We want what we want. We just want to buy whatever we're feeling in the moment. The question we have to ask ourselves is, is this wise? If we're buying today what we cannot afford, we are stealing from our future self. Don't steal from you. Don't steal from anybody. But really, don't steal from you. Don't, don't, like, love yourself enough not to steal from your future self. Don't do that. Know your income. Track your expenses. That means you write down every dime you spend. In this class, we do this. In Kingdom Finance, we track our expenses. And we had a couple come through. And you know what they were surprised by? Because I'll tell you this. If you've not tracked before, you will be shocked where your money goes. Shocked. They were shocked that they were spending hundreds of dollars a month on Polar Pops. Polar Pops. Now, I love a good Diet Coke. Like, hit me up with a Diet Coke. But they just realized, wow, we actually don't want to spend this much money on Polar Pops. So... Once they recognized their expenses, they created a budget so that they could tell their money exactly where they wanted it to go. Your budget is your friend. Your budget is not here to make you feel constrained. I'm not doing your budget for you, right? You can't be like, don't tell me how to spend my money. I won't. I'm not doing it. You're going to do it. You sit down, you invite Holy Spirit in, and you create a spreadsheet where you tell your money exactly where you want it to go. If you want to spend hundreds of dollars on Polar Pops, be my guest. You do whatever you want. Invite Holy Spirit into the process, and you get to tell your money where you want it to go. And again, we have a free spreadsheet for you. We have a budget already built online. It's totally free. We have a spending journal, lots of great resources out there like Mint and Every Dollar, free resources to help you on your journey. But the goal in all of this is freedom. It's freedom. And if we are not paying attention to our finances, we are actually living in bondage. You know, the wise decision is almost never the decision we want to make. It's never the decision we want to make, right? You're sitting on your couch at the end of a day, kids are in bed, my kids are in bed, scrolling your phone, you're watching Netflix, and you watch an episode, and then you watch an episode, and you're like, "Uh," and then Netflix says, keep watching. (laughs) You want to keep, and you're like, oh, but it's past my bedtime. You have to ask this question, and now you're going to hear it in your head all week. Sorry, but not sorry. The question is, is this wise? Now, this is not a yes or no question. (laughs) I can stay up past my bedtime if I want. I'm 38. I do what I want. But the question is, is it wise? Is it wise? Am I going to get the fruit tomorrow that I say that I want by the decisions I'm making today? So you invite Holy Spirit and you ask him this question, is it wise? And again, this applies to lots of areas of our life, not just our finances, but we do want to invite him in. Wisdom says, invite him in. It's that old adage, just because you can doesn't mean you should. All right, 1 Corinthians 10, 23, you're allowed to do anything. Not everything's beneficial. You have a lot of freedom, but a lot of opportunity to partner with Holy Spirit. And the fruit of that partnership is financial freedom. Right? He owns the earth and everything in it. He's so faithful to give us everything that we need. I want to share with you um, a story today, end with this, of uh, a couple here in our church family who they are wholeheartedly generous. Right? They understand God's provision. They understand that trusting God with their money means giving tithes and offerings first. They understand that it's important to save for the future. They've done all the right things. And I just want to share some of the fruits of this kind of stewardship in their life. So, uh, 
in 2019, the husband was actually promoted at his company and he was made a partial owner in the company. And while this was a huge answer to prayer for them, they unknowingly was kind of setting the stage for an opportunity to trust God because as an owner, paychecks were a little more lean, um, they were a little more sporadic, and actually they didn't realize that the pandemic was just looming five months around the corner, right? None of us knew that was coming. But they headed into the 2021 holiday season and their finances were nowhere near where they wanted them to be. And they had some huge unexpected financial expenses and that coupled with just some really lean months at the husband's company meant that they had to borrow money out of their savings to cover their basic expenses. Now as wise stewards, they've done the right things, right? They've been faithful tithers, they've saved for the future. And so they have prepared for things like this because they were wise enough to save for tomorrow, which is beautiful. But at this point, they realized that they wanted to give to the holiday offering, which is something that we do here every year. They've done it year after year after year. They're like, well, we still wanna give to the Lord through this offering. And so they prayed, each individually, and they both invited Holy Spirit into the process and they came up with the same number to give. Let me just say, confirmation that comes like that, you know that you know that you know it's the Lord, right? So the Holy Spirit confirmed and they decided yes, they took it out of their savings to give to the Lord through the offering. So they headed into 2022, and the husband feels like he's heard from the Lord that they are actually supposed to give more than their regular giving, meaning they give tithes, that they're supposed to increase their giving through offerings to the Lord. Now, at this point, nothing in their finances has changed. Nothing, absolutely nothing. But they believe they've heard from the Lord and they want to partner. And so the wife prays about it. She's like, I think this is the Lord, but oof, I don't know how he's going to show up. She said this. She says, one week later, I came to work on a Monday morning and I was told I was receiving a raise. Not just a raise though, it was the largest raise I had ever received since working for my company of 13 years. I was overwhelmed by this news to say the least. Not an hour later, my husband called and shared some shocking news. The company that he works for had purchased stocks in another company in town back in the 60s. Come to find out this company was being acquired and the current owners of my husband's firm were each going to receive a lump sum from the sale. The amount we were to receive was several times the amount we gave in the holiday offering. She said, God continues to show up and surprise us even when we have doubts. He has continued to meet us right where we are. All he asks is that we would trust him. Everyone say trust. I can't stress this enough that trusting God with our finances has changed our lives and has given us tangible proof of his goodness and abundance. Would you stand up? I want to pray over you right now. I think this issue of trust is the game changer. Do we trust God when it comes to our finances? And so right now, Holy Spirit, we, we say we need your wisdom we trust you. You are who you say you are. We acknowledge that you know more than we do. And when it comes to our finances right now, we say we submit them to you. We give you our whole, our whole lives, Lord, all of it. You are such a faithful father. You have given us everything that we need. You are the provider and we are the stewards. And what we say today is we trust your good plan, Lord. We come into agreement with it. But where we need your help, Lord, we need help to execute. Left on our own, we're not going to make the wisest decision, but we say we want it, so would you help us? We admit that we need to know a better way to do it because what we're doing just isn't working. So Holy Spirit, come in power. I pray that you would highlight even now some areas where you want to bring more wisdom into our lives. Some of it's financial, some of it's not. 
Father, I thank you that you have a good plan for finances, and I thank you that you want to empower us to trust you in every area. Thank you, God, that you're making us trustworthy. Change the way that we think, Lord. We want to see things from your perspective. And just now, as we go into a time where we are worshiping you through song, we are going to acknowledge in uh, faith, you are who you say you are. You are a worthy king. You are a generous father. And we want to pour out our praise to you because you are so, so good. And we thank you in advance, God, for all the ways you're going to provide. We love you so much, Jesus. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.